Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wassalam wa rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sabi ajma'in ashadu wa la ilaha illallah wa ashadu wa amadin abdu wa rasulullah ba'd. You're listening to Islam Always, and we're always broadcasting 24 hours a day, live and pre-recorded right here on the internet at islamalways.com. We encourage you to visit our site and bring others as well, because this is the place where you will find information about Islam in the plain and simple English language. So without further ado, I wanted to come to some of the subjects that we'd like to talk about on our site. It may not be something we like, but we do like to talk about it. And that is the harsh treatment and the abuse that we find is being delivered out to Islam and the Muslims these days. We find people coming up to us and saying things like, oh, you guys must be terrorists, why don't you go back to your country? How come you guys are mistreating women and why do you want to kill all of the infidels and what kind of religion is this, so much violence, etc., etc. And these are the kind of things that we're hearing uh, in the internet, in the emails, and also even in publications in the media, etc. We would be the first to say that Islam absolutely does not promote violence, oppression, aggression, or what's called an Arabic bulum. Oppression is something forbidden in Islam. And as a matter of fact, we can look to the Quran and we find it over and over that Allah is talking about He does not like those people. He does not like those people who commit zulm and those who do it to each other. And let's talk about this oppression. Oppression is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God Almighty, says He forbids Himself to ever oppress and He hates oppression. So if we understand that, then we know that this is not a teaching of Islam. Now, somebody might say, yes, but, and this, when I hear yes, but, I know we're about to get into a serious discussion. Somebody is going to offer us an opportunity to really talk about our way of life called Islam. Because the yes, but means that he's going to come up with something. Yes, but in your book, or yes, but in the Hadith, yes, but in something I saw from some Muslims. And I can understand where they're coming from. And so you need to be able to, to be prepared for these things. And that's exactly what we want to do in this short khatira. Inshallah, keep it short. <laughs> but it's imperative for us to realize that the Quran is, always was, always will be preserved by Allah exactly as it came. It can't be changed, not even a single word. Today, well, we find the Catholic Church is denying verses out of the Bible, claiming that they no longer support any verses which deal against the Jews, claiming that they are not accepting any verses which violate, according to them, the teachings of creation, uh, 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 the uh, evolution versus creationism. In other words, anything in the Bible that denies that we are part of an evolution, they deny those now. They don't accept those verses. This is brand new, by the way. And also certain things in the book of Revelations, they don't any longer talk about the return of Jesus in the flesh, which is very clearly a part of the book of Revelations. They're denying this. Now, the Jewish are also talking about changing things from their book as well. If you said, oh, no, we didn't see that, well, 
they are the same ones who told us, why don't we take out all the verses in the Quran that's dealing against the Jewish people, or actually Bani Israel. We as Muslims are not capable of changing even a single word. Our Quran is the same as it was and always will be. It's not going to change. There are verses in the Quran and words in the Quran which even some Muslims today try to run away from. But it doesn't mean that you can change them. The Quran is more solid than the Rock of Gibraltar. The Rock of Gibraltar is such a famous rock. It's the one that's a big, tall rock that Prudential Insurance Company uses this as their logo. Because they said it's really tough, nothing can move this. We're saying Quran is more than this. More than this. And by the way, just as a little point of reference, maybe some of you know this because of the location of it. At the tip of Spain, it points right at Morocco. You know where this place is. Actually, Gibraltar is the mispronunciation of the Arabic Jabal Tariq. Called the mountain of what? Tariq. Tariq means it. So, so it's actually Arabic. Now, to come back to the subject of the Quran, and it is absolute in that you can't change it. They are the words of Allah, and what He says stands. Now, for us, that's good, and for them, they consider it good in a way that they can attack us because they know we can't change it, and they're going to say, your Quran says this, and it says that. But what I found the biggest problem is, is not that they're quoting the Qur'an, they're actually quoting translations of the Qur'an. And when you quote the translation of something, you're not quoting it anymore, you're quoting what somebody thinks it means. You're quoting what translators try to come up with, but you're not really quoting Qur'an. The only way it's Qur'an is in the Arabic. And it says it in the Qur'an, that it's a Qur'an in Arabic a recitation or a reading in the Arabic and it has to be recited. It's not what you write on a piece of paper. When you write it, it's not Quran. It's what? It's still sacred. It's our scripture. But it is not the Quran anymore. It is the Mus'haf. Yes? This means the scripture. So, that's the first thing of it. So when people come up to me and they say, well, how can you be in a religion that, first of all, is terrorism, that's uh, having oppression, violence, aggression, spreading your religion by the sword, and these kinds of things that they're saying, we're going to say that, well, first of all, it doesn't say that. But it gives us a great opportunity to open a door, doesn't it? So I don't get upset with them. I don't get angry with them. Instead, I simply say to them, Thank you for asking me about my religion. And they go, huh? They're not prepared for that. They didn't imagine I'm going to say something like this. Thank you for asking me about my religion. Because in our way of life called Islam, it's forbidden for us ever to lie. So if I say to you anything about Islam, I know if I lie I can go to hell. I'm going to tell you the truth as much as I can, as much as I know. But even if I made a mistake, or even if anybody lied to you, you don't have to be too concerned. You can find the truth because the second point of Islam is it's all preserved. You don't have to trust 
somebody's dreams or their feelings or uh, what I feel when I read this or how do I look at this or, you know. And I was <laughs> kind of amazed one time. I found some American Muslims. They don't know Arabic. There's just a few of them in the prison and they were trying to learn the Quran in English. And after they had their khutbah Juma, the Friday service, they were sitting there and they said, now it's time for us to read the Quran and then we each talk about what I get out of that, what it means to me. And I said, where did you get this idea from? They said, that's what we do. So they were reading English translation from Yusuf Ali and then they would sit and say, well, I think it means this. No, I think it means that. My dictionary tells me it means so and so and so. I listened to them for a while. I said, guys, what you're doing right now, this is out of Islam. Totally out of Islam. You can't do that. Imam Malik, he said, if anybody tries to make that will or explanation of Quran without knowledge, this is an act of kuf. It's going out of Islam. So we should rely on the Arabic of the Quran in the original and then you will solve your problem. Let me give you an example, a case in point that I want to speak about this morning. Our religion is preserved, totally preserved. These people that I'm talking to, I can tell them whatever we say, you can confirm it, but you have to go to the original Arabic. Quran doesn't translate to anything. And it says in the Quran, if you're in doubt about it, bring a book like it. Now how am I going to bring a book like it? For you to look at in translation when it says right in the Quran you can't do that so we have to go to the Arabic and if you say well that's not fair I don't know Arabic language well you learned English you learned computer language you learned money language you learned economics you learned a degree you got other things when you wanted to know didn't you so if you refuse to learn it's not my fault I was over 50 years old when I started learning the Arabic language. I don't claim that I know it now. I'm just saying that you can start at any age. And you should. If you want to know what's this life, if you want to know what's Islam, if you want to know what's in the Quran, if you want to know what Muslims are all about, you need the Arabic language. You don't have to be fluent in speaking, but at least you need to know what Allah said in the Quran. I'll give you an example of that. As I mentioned, somebody comes to you and this is the point we'll take and he says to you, well, you know, your religion is talking about spreading your uh, faith by the sword. You can say, really? It is, huh? Yep. As a matter of fact, we read the Quran and it says to us for you to go out and kill people until your religion is number one and you kill all the people who don't believe. You say, whoa, where's that? Most of you sitting here listening to me today are thinking, there's nothing like that in the Quran. We don't believe that. It can't be. And they will quote it like this. This is a misquote from the Quran in English. Kill them wherever you find them. And this is the Jews and Christians. That's what it says on the internet. Kill them wherever you find them. And this is the Jews and the Christians. And another verse they say, and kill them until there is no more 
of any other religion and all the worship is for only Allah meaning until they're Muslims kill everybody until they're Muslims that is what the translations say that they have on the internet anybody know where I'm talking about in the Quran? yeah? really? it's not in the Quran it's not like that but you know the part we're talking about where it's coming from yeah, let me tell you exactly. And even then in the, in the tafsir or explanation, it also is messed up. Because you cannot bring a book like the Quran. It says, for instance, and I'm going to go back to another verse. It's in Surah Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 190. I'm quoting to you exactly like, like it says from one of the best of the translations to English now. And fight in the way of Allah, those who fight you, but transgress not the limits. Truly, Allah likes not the transgressors. Then in brackets it says, this verse is the first one that was revealed in connection with jihad, but it was supplemented by another which is in... Uh, Surah at tawbah chapter 9, verse 36. I want to share with you something. As much as I have respect for those who translate, those who are, you know, giving tafsir of Quran in Arabic that they translated from, there's a word that was used in this jihad, which does not appear in this verse. Nor the next one, nor the next one, nor the next one. And it does not appear in the verse in at tawbah 36. Just so you know, I'll go to that one right now and let you hear what it says because you may be curious what does it say in Tawbah 36. Chapter 9, verse 36. If you don't have a Quran installed in your computer yet, you can go to our website and get a free installation of Quran. It's very beautiful. Looks nice, reads in Arabic and English and transliteration so you can use the English language to pronounce the words from the Arabic. I'm looking at verse 36 in chapter 9 right now using that same Quran. Go to islamtomorrow.com slash free. You'll find it right there. It says, uh, Verily the number of months with Allah is 12 months. It is ordered by Allah on the day when He created the heavens and the earth. Of them, four of these months are sacred which is the first, the seventh, the eleventh, and the twelfth months on the Islamic calendar. That is the right religion. So don't wrong yourselves therein. And fight against the mushrikun collectively as they fight against you collectively. But know that Allah is with those who are muttaqun. The word fight is the only thing you can find in this verse that has anything to do with the verses that, the, that I just read to you from Baqarah. Fight. Let's go to the Arabic. And again, if you have a translation like this one that I'm using, you can look to the Arabic with the English letters or use the Arabic in the Arabic language. It's also there. And I'm looking for this word jihad in Arabic and it's not there. I do find yukatilu. 
from the word kital. Wakatilu and kama yukatilu. That's the only thing I'm finding is kital. You know why? Because it doesn't say jihad. And it doesn't say jihad in the one that I read to you before. Now, it's not saying that, that this is not referring to jihad. I just want to make a point that when people give a translation, you have to know who those people are and what they mean by what they say. Who is the one they're quoting from is Ibn Taymiyyah. Rahimullah. May Allah have mercy upon him and accept everything. One of the greatest stars in the crown of Islam is Ibn Taymiyyah, without a doubt. And when he writes about something, he's not writing just from his own mind. It's from deep research, from memorization, not only of the Qur'an, but all of the things that pertain to the Qur'an and the commentaries of all of the scholars who talked about the Qur'an. He's a genius, without a doubt. But, you hear the but again? When that, that means somebody's going to turn it around. But do you know who is Ibn Taymiyyah? Do you know his life? Do you know what he did? You have to know who is the person speaking. If you know me, I'm from Texas. If you know my personality, I act like somebody from Texas. You know why? Because that's where I'm from. I can't help it. And Ibn Taymiyyah has a background that very much explains why he says what he says the way he says it. It's not wrong. By the way, he's not wrong. I'm saying that you have to understand why he focuses on certain verses and the way he talks about them in detail. He was one of the greatest of all the mujahideen, possibly of his time. Did you know that? Many people think he's just like a scholar sitting in a university, a professor, something like that, and this is not the case. He was very active, very active in defending Islam, defending the Muslims and fighting against the aggression of the Mongols when they came and they were trying to wipe out everybody they were really killing everybody they were they were barbarians they were horrible and he was one of the people who fought against that to the extent that they even killed the leader of the Muslims they had no Khalifa but the Muslims continued to fight without a Khalifa for a number of years against these people. So when he says about jihad, he's saying this to support his evidences for what he's doing when he teaches the people years later to show the position and the importance of this thing called jihad. But the word jihad is not in the verses. Did you know that? It doesn't say that. And I'm not trying to give a new meaning to it myself. I'm just trying to tell you why he uses this word in his tafsir, jihad. So let us talk about what is jihad. Today we call it the J word. And if you want to lecture about this subject called the J word, you can get it from our website. Go to islamdemar.com slash order, O-R-D-E-R, and you'll find it there and you can uh, donate. We don't sell it, but it's, uh, you know, you can just order it. If you want to pay the postage, you can. If you don't want to, we'll, we'll pay that too. The J word. First I'll tell you jihad, what does it mean, inshallah? Jihad is not killing people. That is not the meaning of the word jihad. It's a very broad word. It means literally to struggle or strive. Strive, 
to do something. Work hard to accomplish something. Whatever it might be. There is such a thing as jihad on your nafs. Which is to overcome the evil inside of yourself. And this is certainly what every Muslim is trying to do every day. But there's also a jihad in building huge buildings. When you accomplish a, a, a construction of a large, comp, a large complex such as maybe you put in an airport or you build a university or anything like this, when it's completed this is called juhud. They made juhud on this great uh, effort and finished it. Another word, you use it all the time if you're Muslim learning about scholars and what they have said and that's when scholars study a subject to such a degree that they just about you know, exhaust all of their resources trying to find an answer. And then they give you the answer according to their hard work that they did. And that's called what? Ijtihad. Scholars make ijtihad. They struggle and strive to come to the right answer. And regarding this, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he said that if a scholar does this ijtihad and he comes to a conclusion and he's right, then he has double reward with Allah. Double. Two times. But if he's wrong, he still has a reward with Allah. Why? Because of the struggle and the effort that he put in to make the jihad of getting knowledge. So we find from the Arabic language itself that Islam is teaching us that jihad is many things. But for sure, those people who go to war against the aggressors, the people who are attacking Islam, for sure, they are doing jihad. There's nothing I'm saying new that everybody here doesn't already know about. It's not inappropriate to use the term, but it's inappropriate to say that that's what it says in the verse. It doesn't say that in the verse. It says kital. Let's go back and look at it again. And now I'm back in Surah Baqarah chapter 2, and I want to look at that just for one second. It says and kill them wherever you find them. And that's all they quote. There's a comma after that, and even in English it makes it clear that's not what it says if you just read the next verses. The next few words. But they won't read that. Now when somebody does this, we have a lot of words for it. Basically, they're liars. Even if you say, well, they didn't, they didn't lie, they just didn't say the whole verse. In Islam, that's the same as lying. Lying by omission. Lying by deception. Lying in any way in Islam is not acceptable, but taking a verse out of context, half of a verse. Now, it's not even half of it. It's just the first few words to try to make something out of the Quran that it's not. You'd be surprised because if you just read it, about three more words, you'll see that it totally makes something here that won't fit what they said. Kill all the Jews and Christians. That's what they are saying. And I told you it says kital. Waktuluhum. And kill them. And it does say, it says wherever you find them. But then there's a comment it says, and turn them out from where they turned you out. Oops. No wonder they didn't say the rest of it because anybody would say, well, wait a minute. You're talking about a specific incident. You're talking about past tense. Somebody turned somebody out of something. 
And did Jews and Christians do that? Did Jews and Christians turn the Muslims out of something? No. But they don't want to deal with that because that specific incident is very clear in Islamic history which is also preserved just like everything else. You want to know what it's talking about? It's real clear what happened. So this is a big lie. Now this is good news for us. Why? Because it forced people to come to us to ask us questions. Then we can give them the answer. Then they can decide to accept Islam and it's working. Many people come to us attacking Islam and then they become Muslims. I'm one of them. Sitting in front of you today is one of those people who used to attack Islam and just quote what he heard from other people like Pat Robertson, like Oral Roberts, like Jerry Falwell, like uh, Jimmy Swaggart. All these people say things against Islam. Harsh things, horrible things. But then people like me who want to go and save the Muslims, bring them to Christianity, we say, come on, help us. If you can make us Christian, come do it. We're happy to hear what you have. We'd like to share what we have too. Because then they'll find the real message. And this could be our own fault because we haven't really tried to give them the message. In fact, we tried to live beside them and ignore the fact that they are mixed up in their way. We haven't tried to help them at all. So maybe this is why Allah is making it happen a lot. But for sure, they come to us and they ask us, now you can say simply, are you seeking truth? Do you want half truth or whole truth? Do you want truth from your perspective or the real truth? Because as the man said to me when I came to Islam, he said, I'll go to your religion if it's better than my religion but you have to have proof. And wallahi, we have the proof. Let's read this now in context and then I'll, I'll show with you that you can get the CD for it and hear the whole thing. You don't have to listen to me read all of it. But I want to just let you hear it in context. It begins not in that verse, but two verses back. This whole argument or discussion that Allah presents is dealing with the questions that people asked Muhammad and they asked him a series of questions and Allah gave him the answer to those questions. And it begins, Yasalunika. They are asking you, O Muhammad, about the new moons, the Hilal. Say, these signs mark fixed periods of time for mankind and for the Hajj, pilgrimage to the Bayt of Allah. It is not Albir that you enter your houses from the back, but Albir is the one who fears Allah. And Albir is righteousness. So enter your houses through the proper doors and fear Allah that you'll be successful. And fight in the way of Allah those who fight you, but don't transgress the limits. Truly, Allah does not like the transgressors. That's what it says. Those who fight you. And don't transgress limits. There are limits to this kind of fighting. Then it continues, and kill them wherever you find them. Turn them out from where they turned you out. And the fitna, which is the oppression, aggression, or terrorism coming against you, is worse than killing. And do not fight them in the sacred place or sanctuary of the haram, unless they first fight you there. But if they attack you, then kill them. 
And this is a payback for the unbelievers. But if they cease, then Allah is off forgiving most merciful. And fight them until there is no more of this terrorism. Fitna. Fitna is the best word to describe what happened on 9-11. Without doubt. Terrorism. And every kind of worship is for Allah alone. But if they cease, let there be no transgression except the zalimun. This is meaning those who are the oppressors, the wrongdoers, and the politists. Then it starts to go back to the sacred month is the sacred month. And for prohibited things, there is the law of equity, kisas. Then whoever transgresses against uh, you... You transgress likewise against them. Fear Allah and know that Allah is with those who are the pious. Spend in the way of Allah. That's another expression, by the way, to fight for the cause of Allah, donate for the cause of Allah. And again, the one given explanation, Ibn Taymiyyah uses the word jihad, but that's in his explanation. All kinds of jihad. That's what's that. And don't throw yourselves into destruction. This is when people said this means don't commit suicide. Actually, it doesn't say that. It says don't throw yourself in destruction by not spending your wealth in the cause of Allah. And do good. Truly, Allah loves those who are al-musinun, which means people who do good. Then it goes on talking about the pilgrimage in the verse 196. All of this is in context. So the people come and they ask Muhammad well what about the new moons? And it's talking about Hajj. When can we do Hajj and how should we do Hajj? How do we know when it is? Okay, and this is what it is. What about going through our back doors? They had a superstition about that. Okay, don't do that. Just use the regular doors. Yeah, but when are we going to be able to fight these people back that have been fighting us, killing us and committing terrorism against us for 13 years? The Muslims had to be trained not to fight. Listen to what I said. They were trained for 13 years not to fight. Because they already had grown up in an atmosphere where people fought all the time. The Arabs are born knowing how to fight. You don't teach Arabs how to fight. You teach them how to control it. In fact, somebody told me all Arabs are born with a rock in their hand. Without doubt, and no Arab got mad at me when I said this. No Muslim Arab I met ever got mad about that. They said, you're probably right. They are very tough people. And they know how to defend themselves. And they know how to be aggressors. There are many examples before the coming of Islam with Prophet Muhammad about feuds that wiped out so many people. One tribe against another tribe. The most famous of all the fights that are battles that I heard about prior to Islam is called the Battle of the Camel. And this is the one where a camel was killed. A camel was killed because it won a race. Another tribe got mad. They killed the camel with a rock. And then they killed the boy who did that with a rock. And then those people began killing each other. And this went on for how many years? Forty years they continued killing each other over this stupid camel so nobody has to tell these people how to fight 
That is not what Allah was doing. In fact, they were forbidden to do this for all those years that they were trying to tell people there really is God. He's one. Please worship Him alone. Don't worship these statues and idols and things that you made with your hands. And today, Muslims are saying essentially the same thing. Don't worship idols and statues. When Taliban blew up the big statue in Afghanistan, you remember that? They blew up the big statue. And everybody said, oh, look at these bad guys. They're blowing up the thing that we need nice pictures of for National Geographic. Yet, it's God in the Holy Quran, in the Holy Bible, in the Injil, in the Torah, everywhere you read, Allah is saying, no statues, no idols, don't make those things, destroy those things, get rid of those things. The Bible's full of that. And by the way, those were built by Buddhists, not by Christians, not by Jews, not by Muslims. So if somebody doesn't want something on their property that some other religion put there, don't they have the right to take it up? And why would Christians defend statues of false gods? And in fact, when you tell them this, they usually go, I didn't know that. Oh, it makes sense. The Christians, for the most part, don't realize that their Bible tells them some very important things about false worship. Like, don't ever go out in the forest and cut down a tree and take it in your house and decorate it up and think that that tree has got any blessing for you or help you or hurt you either way because didn't you have to carry it on your back to get it there? <laughs> because this was something that the Druids and the Celtics used to do. They used to worship nature and the tree was the main thing that they worshipped and the main tree they worshipped was the evergreen tree because it stayed green all year long. And they used to cut the boughs, pieces of it, and decorate their house inside to keep away evil spirits. And when the Christians carried their message into that part of Europe, they picked this bad habit up. The reference for what I said? Look in the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 10, and read it for yourself. This makes it clear, very clear, that false worship is the main thrust of the monotheistic religion. And those people who promote that and say, don't worship other than God, don't worship what he created, they will always find enemies of those who are committed to worship of the devil and his idols and his statues. And the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was no different than any other prophet. He was a human being. He came and he delivered his message and Allah took him. May Allah have mercy on him and accept from him and Allah's peace be with him. Sallallahu We today are doing nothing but that, carrying that same message. There is God. Worship him. No partners. No. After 13 years, finally they were told, go make Hajj. They had, they had to relocate. They were exiled out of their own city. They were left in the desert in the valley to die for two years finally the people of Medina took them in up there it's called Yathrib and then they changed the name to Medina but they took them up there hundreds of miles away and then when the Muslims were strong enough that they could go and make their Hajj 
Allah told them, now go make Hajj. It's time for you to make your pilgrimage. They had tried before, and it's known in the history, but they turned them away. They wouldn't let them come in, and they abused them. And they even took some of them away from them and said, these are our slaves, we're taking them back from you. And nobody stopped them. The Prophet, peace be upon him, would not stop them from that. This is historically true. And they didn't want to go. They said, no, we want to be Muslims. Nope, you were, they're slaves, we can't do anything about that. Not yet, it's not time. That's the way it really was. Come on, tell the truth. You don't want to tell the truth? Oh, you just want to go back and say what you said before. Kill all Jews and Christians. By the way, that's really not a smart thing to say. Muslims are 1.6 billion in the world. You're not going to wipe them out. Okay? You can kill them, and they've been doing that to us. By the thousands. They talk about the 2,000 who were killed from Americans in these wars, which we hate that, by the way. We hate anybody to die. For no reason. We hate anybody any innocent to die. We, we hate it more than anybody. But while we're talking about that, did you forget that more than that are killed on a daily basis? Any day that you want to pick and look and see, Muslims are dying. And But in special occasions, like when they did Afghanistan, 7,000 died instantly all at one time in one masjid in Ramadan while they were praying. Standing and praying in the night, and they set off one of those bombs that fries your bones, I mean fries the skin off your bones. Doesn't hurt the infrastructure, but it kills anything alive. And they did that. Because they said they thought maybe there was some Taliban there. It turned out they weren't, but it was worth it to try to get rid of them. That's what it says in the paper. We found from the verses right here that that's forbidden in Islam to do such a thing. You cannot do that. You cannot commit those kind of atrocities in war. There are limits, and Allah does not love those who go beyond the limits. Read about this subject on our website. We have articles about this. It goes into a lot of detail. But the most important thing is to realize nowhere in the Quran did Allah give anybody the authority to go out and kill innocent human beings. Never. Not then, not now. Innocent lives. And what did Allah tell us about innocent lives? Whoever takes an innocent life, it is as though they killed all of humanity. And whoever saves a life, it is as though they saved all humanity. For us as Muslims, we're committed to the truth. We have to tell the truth. And we have the proof. But while they're listening to what we're saying, they should consider that if what they said wasn't true to start with, and what we brought is true, and it makes sense, and it's really what's been called for by the President of the United States, whom they claim to support him so much. When he declared a war against terrorism, he didn't do anything new. Islam brought this 1,400 years ago. It was right here in the Quran when it was an order for you to go out and fight those people who commit these acts of terrorism but don't transgress the limits. That's the part Mr. Bush didn't know about. Islam declared a war against terrorism 1400 years ago with these verses about Qital. And then the scholars of Islam gave it a name just like Mr. Bush gave it a name. War on terrorism and the scholars call it Jihad. 
So Islam's answer to terrorism is al-jihad. And we're the first in line to fight against terrorists. And we wish, inshallah, that Allah will stop these people by whatever means so that there can be real peace. Because it's the Muslims who love peace. And by the way, the word Muslim is from the word Islam and the word Islam has peace in it. Salam. It also has surrender, obedience, adherence to Allah's orders, insincerity, all of that's in there too. So whoever wants to do what God wants him to do, he's not an Islam or he's a Mu'Islam. So may Allah make all of us Muslim and cause us to fight against terrorism and follow up on real jihad. I mean, been listening to Islam tomorrow's live broadcast. We're broadcasting live from right here in Peoria, Peoria, Illinois. For a rebroadcast of this and other programs, visit our internet website at Islam Always, islamalways.com, where we're always open 24 hours a day and always plenty of free parking. Until next time, Salam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.